Well, hey there, my name is Roy and I'm the lead pastor here at Arthur Pentecostal Assembly and we're glad you've joined us. You're watching online today and uh, you've joined us for our, our, our worship experience. And well, here we are, last part of our nine-part series. If you haven't had a chance to catch in on them, go to our YouTube channel, uh, Facebook, you can get the other eight. But uh, this nine-part series has carried us all the way right through the summer. And as we mentioned many times during the series, the inspiration for these messages was the fact that during this pandemic, uh, we have not been able to physically at church here be able to sing. Now, if you're online, you've been able to sing from your home. There's no restrictions on that. But in church circles, we often refer to singing in, as worship. Many of us know that worship is so, so much more than what comes out of your mouth musically. We've looked, at, we've looked at worship in our gatherings. We've looked at worship from a preaching standpoint. We've looked at worship as generosity, worship in, in singing, obviously, worship in serving, worship through meditation. We've looked at worship in prayer, also how our attitude displays our worship and who we worship. And then there are other aspects that we really haven't touched on, but today we're going to finish this series by looking at the sacrifice of worship. When you attend a worship service or you, or you view a worship service, what are some of the conversations that go on in your head? Or maybe they go on in the car on your way to church. Um, if you're watching online, what are the conversations that you're having after you watch the service? Because we've all done this. We, we, we leave church or we finish watching the service and we say things like, well, church was, church was good today. Or church was, eh, it was okay. Or maybe it's just like, it was terrible. It really wasn't that good. And for each of us, there are factors that go into how we would rate our church experience from one Sunday to the next. For some of you, your favorite part is music. So a good Sunday means that your favorite song was sung or the type of song that you like to sing was sung. If the worship team does a great job that morning, it doesn't matter what else happened in the service. You go home and you're happy. For some of you, you love the preaching. That's your favorite part. And actually, if you had your way, you would show up right about the time the last line was sung. Maybe, maybe if you're watching this pre-recorded, maybe you skip right through the music part, right to the preaching part. And you like to hear good preaching. What does good preaching look like for you, though? Because for some of you, you love when the preacher uses a lot of Bible verses and digs deep. It almost looks like a bit of a Bible study. You love the feeling of coming away with more knowledge than when you first showed up. For some of you, you want the preaching to be incredibly relevant. You love pop culture references. You like when the scripture points to answers for the specific circumstance that you're going through right now. For some of you, well, you just want it to be entertaining. You love personal stories, you love jokes, you love illustrations, and if you get something out of it, that's cool too, but just don't be boring. For others, the music just needs to be okay, and the preaching just needs to be okay, but the social connection will make or break a Sunday. You love the gathering time after a uh, word of encouragement, or, or pre-COVID, the hug, or you love to laugh with somebody. If you get your social time, then your church experience, you walk away and you would say, it, it's great, it was great. And I can say without a doubt that I agree with all those things to some extent. When I go to a church, uh, and, and mostly when I go to church, I'm, I'm preaching, but there's times where I go to other churches. 
I want the music to be, I want it to be dynamic. I want, I want the, the worship set to be well thought out. I want it to be done with as much excellency as possible. And I want it to be authentic. I want the speaker to be engaging. I want them to be thought-provoking. I want them to be inspiring, a little bit convicting. And I want them to be somewhat entertaining. That's not too much to ask, is it? I also want to feel like I belong. I want to feel like someone there cares about me, that someone's actually excited that I showed up. I want to feel connected. I want to feel loved. I also want to feel like I'm needed as well. So if my church has good music and engaging speaking and people are there, there are happy to see me genuinely, and then I, th- I feel like that was a good service. But if the music's a little bit off and the speaker had one of their poorer messages, at least in my eyes, and no one seems to notice that I was even there, well, then I feel like that's a bad service. Or maybe you've heard someone say this, or, or maybe you've even said this yourself. Maybe you've walked away from a church or church completely because of this. Maybe you've said or heard someone say, I, I, just, I just didn't get anything out of church today. Or, or I don't even know why I go because I just feel like I'm not getting anything from it. And that's a tough feeling. Because for many of us, church or the gathering, that's a huge part of who we are. Some of you have been part of a church for longer than I've been alive. It's why the pandemic was, is, was really tougher. If you're at home right now, it's still kind of tough because you've never been away from church or the gathering for this many Sundays in a row, ever. For many of you, church is where you establish lifelong friendships. It's become your support system. It's where you may have met your significant other. It's where you discovered that God loves you, cares about you, and has a plan for your life. It's our launch pad that sends us off into each week. So to get a place, so we get to this place where we feel like we aren't getting anything out of church, that's a tough place to be. Maybe, maybe though, maybe we've mixed it up a little bit though. Maybe we take too much of a consumer approach when it comes to our faith. Because when you look at different faiths across the world, what is the heart? What is the heart of a particular faith or religion? Is it becoming better people with a strong sense of morality? Well, that is part of it, but that's not the heart of it. Is it discovering who God is and where we fit into his plan? It's part of it, but it's not the heart of it. For all of religion and faith, the heart of it comes down to worship. The heart of our, or center of our faith isn't morality or discovering more about God. It's, it's worshiping God. And the heart of our worship is sacrifice. The heart of our faith is worship, and the heart of our worship is sacrifice. So we show up for church, and, or we tune into church online, and we think, and we probably don't say this out loud, or, or maybe we do, but when we show up with this thought, man, I, I hope it's good today. I, I hope it's worth it today. I mean, I got up early. It would have been a lot easier just to sleep in on a Sunday. I was up late last night. Do you have any idea what it took to get my kids into the church or get them up even for online church? I hope, I hope it's worth it. 
And that's why we make decisions. Like whether we're going to go or not, depending on who the speaker is. Or if we hear, hear that, if we hear that church is going to be all hymns today, uh, maybe, it's, maybe that's the day that we stay home. Or for some of you, all hymns, that's the day I'm going. In short, we come into the service with this idea, I hope it's worth it. In other words, I hope I get something from this. And I don't think I need to tell you this, but it's definitely a good reminder. The point of worship is not about what you get. The point of worship is what you give. If the heart of worship is sacrifice, then the heart of gathering in worship is to bring your sacrifice of worship. I think that's why some of you at times have become disenchanted with church. If you come looking to always get something, it only seems natural that you would leave disappointed at some point. Because it doesn't matter how good the music is, it doesn't matter how engaging the speaking is, it doesn't matter what happens at church, you're going to walk away disenchanted if you're only looking for what you can get. When my, my wife Jen and I were dating, when we were teenagers, we bought season's passes to Canada's Wonderland, the most thrilling place in Ontario. Canada's Wonderland has 17 roller coasters. Just looking this up, that's second most in the world. Did, now, they probably had a few less roller coasters when I was a teen, but nonetheless, what a thrilling way to spend a day. And so we've got season's passes, and, and that, what that means is we can go over and over and over again. It's not going to cost us anything more than the gas money and maybe parking. I think we had a cheaper parking pass, and, and we get to ride those, those rides all summer long. It was amazing. It was awesome. We were excited. We were pumped. But a funny thing happened. About our third or fourth time there for the summer, the glitz, the glamour, the excitement kind of wore off. I mean, we started looking for other ways because we'd done everything. We'd ridden the rides multiple times. We've, I think we'd done every single attraction or ride, and we were looking for other ways to pass the time other than the roller coasters or rides. And we had consumed all that we could consume. And as crazy as it sounds, in a 330-acre theme park with 70 attractions, we left there thinking, I don't know if that was worth it. I don't know if I got anything out of that. See, when you view a worship service strictly by what you get out of it, you will feel the same way no matter how good or how bad it was. And having said all that, you still are going to get something. Because we serve a God that even when you come with the right mindset of giving and sacrifice and you want to give to God, he will still give you something in return. But it's important for us to understand that we don't worship an experience. We worship God. Because if you've ever had an experience while you're at church or even at home where the presence of God is so thick that it just kind of brings tears to you, you don't even understand why you're crying, or, or the hair on your, on your arm stands up, and it's, God's just so real in that moment, that's a gift. That's a blessing. But the point of worship is not to chase another experience, it's to offer sacrifice of praise. So let's look at this, the form of worship through the ages. This idea of bringing worship, bringing a sacrifice to God looks different now than it, than it did in first, as a first century Jew. 
A Jewish person in the first century, say during the Passover celebration, here's what they would do. They would choose an animal, an unblemished animal. It meant it had to be as perfect as possible. It, it really, what it really means is what's the best one we have? And normally what they would choose is they would, they would, they would bring a lamb. Sometimes it would be another, but lamb was kind of the choice one. And so a Jew would take their sacrifice a week before they approached the temple. And they would bring this lamb, they would bring it into their house. They would live with the lamb in their home for a week. Now, there's a couple reasons for this, because that sounds a little strange. But the first one is this. It kept the lamb safe. Because if you've chosen, this is the perfect lamb. It's got no, no marks on it, no cuts, no, nothing on it. You kept it safe in your home. It kept it from becoming blemished or hurt. The other reason you'd bring the lamb into your home is so that you could care for it and live with it and become attached to it. The hope is, is that it would become precious to you, that you would love it. Because the more you're attached to something and the more you love something, the more of a sacrifice it is to offer up. So on the day of the sacrifice, on the day that you would bring the lamb to the temple, you would pick up the lamb, carry it around your shoulders, so you took this animal that was valuable to it and you took it as a sacrifice to God, carrying it on your shoulders. You could let it walk, but it may, again, it might, it might trip, it might get hurt. So you carried it like it's precious. And as you approached the temple, the, what you would see is you would see this wall that was about chest high. And on the other side of the wall was where the priests were and the altar, and you were on one side, they were on the other, and you would present your lamb, you would, you would lay it across the top of the wall. And the priest would hand you a knife, and you would, right there, sacrifice the animal. The priest would pull out a would, would not pull out, but would have a bowl. The priest would have a bowl, and it would catch some of the blood from the animal. And there was an assembly line of priests where they would pass this bowl along until it got to the altar. And when it got to the altar, the last priest would pour the, bowl, the, the blood on the altar. And this, this was where the sacrifice to God took place. And so when, from there, the lamb would be skinned and, and gutted, and it would be sent back to, with you to be part of your Passover feast. It was, it was this monumental moment for a Jew to be able to bring this perfect sacrifice to God. Now, can you imagine on the way home, you've just been through this whole sacred Passover sacrifice uh, the ritual, and you turn to your family and you say this, I just, I just didn't get anything out of that this year. I mean, Passover, it just wasn't, it wasn't very good. See, like I remember 20 years ago, uh, I had, there were some great Passovers, but this year, eh, I just... I'm just not feeling it. I mean, in that moment, your family would look at you and say, what are you talking about? Passover has nothing to do with you. It doesn't matter how you felt during the sacrifice. The sacrifice was what you can bring to a loving God that set our people free. It's about what we can give, not what you get. So here's the question. Really obvious answer. But when we come to church or we're part of our church online, when we come to worship, who's the worship about? 
I know who it's not about. It's not about me. It's not about you. Worship's not about us. Worship has been and always will be about God. In fact, it's very liberating in a world where it seems to be all about us, that on a Sunday gathering where you're, you're, the focus is worship of God, that you get a break from thinking about you for a while. So the heart of our faith is worship. The heart of our worship is sacrifice. Now, you can't love without sacrifice. Think about any relationship you've ever had with anyone at any level. What would a relationship be without ever sacrificing your will? What it would be was abuse. Because love always requires sacrifice. Many times when you see a couple that's been married for, for like 50 years or more, people always ask them, what is the secret to a long-lasting, successful marriage? Well, a married couple was celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. And at the party, everyone wanted to know how they managed to stay married for so long in this day and age. And the husband responded, when we first were married, we came to an agreement. I would make all the major decisions, and my wife would make all the minor decisions. And now after 60 years of marriage, I can truthfully say that we have never needed to make a major decision. Now, most people will tell you that the key to a long and successful marriage is communication. And I believe there's, a, there's truth in that. However, I could communicate very well to my wife what I want. And my wife could communicate very well to me what she wants. But if neither side is willing to sacrifice on behalf of the other, the marriage will not last. It will not be a success. You can't have love without sacrifice. Have you ever bought a gift for someone, but it was kind of something you wanted? And maybe your spouse or family member asked for something, but you thought, no, I'm going to buy this instead because uh, maybe I can pass it off as something for us. Not, not just, remember, maybe your wife wanted a car and you bought her a snowmobile because, well, we can enjoy that together, honey. Or, or maybe he wanted a set of tools, but you thought a his, her spa day would be a much better gift. If someone you care about says, this is what I would like, but you decide, I will give you what I want to give you, that's, that's, that's not sacrifice. In the same manner, when, when God says, this is how I want you to, to worship, but we decide, well, you know what, God, I'm going to give you what I want to give you. I will sing the songs I want to sing. I'll, 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 I'll not sing the songs I don't like. I'll go to church on weekends when the weather is bad because, well, I, I want to save the good, nice, nice weather weekends for some, something else. I'll give my finances if I feel like it. I'll worship you how I want to worship you, God. Well, that's not sacrifice. It's actually selfishness. The heart of worship is sacrifice. And sacrifice is actually what love requires. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for worship is this word, shacha. Shacha literally means to bow down. Well, you can't bow down before someone and it be about anything but them. When I bow down before someone, I'm, I'm, I'm worshiping or I'm honoring someone. When we come to church with our needs in mind, it's like coming before God and refusing to bow down. And it's not just church. When we choose to live our lives the rest of the week for ourselves, 
We, re- we refuse to shacha. We refuse to worship. We refuse to bow down to our God. We take the opposite of Jesus' words in the garden. When Jesus came face to face with being the ultimate sacrifice, dying on the cross for our sins, he stared his fear down and put his trust in the Father and said, not my will, but your will be done. And we like to quote that. We like to say that we live by that, that God, not my will, but thy will. But we often, what we choose is something other than sacrifice because we want, we want our needs met. We like when our needs are met. We choose not to give our time or our talents or our finances. We protect our time rather than serve others. We don't carve out time to pray for, pray for others or even spend time with God. When we decide it's, it's more than, than we're willing to sacrifice, we essentially say, God, not, not your will, but my will be done. So when you come to the temple with your sacrifice, what is the condition of your heart? Do you come with your unblemished sacrifice around your shoulders, proud to present what the best you have to offer? Because you remember the lamb was in your home all week. It wasn't just a Sunday thing. You've been preparing for this all week. The ultimate unblemished lamb was Jesus, the Son of God, was welcome in your home all week long. So when you come to the temple, you recognize that the sacrifice that is made on your behalf of this lamb has been giving you your freedom. It was giving you eternity, except that lamb, Jesus, didn't need to be carried to the temple. He willingly laid down his life, shed his blood for you, for me. And when you understand this, When you understand that worship is not about you, that it's always been about God, it changes the way in which you approach the temple or church. You don't say things in the car like, well, I hope this morning is going to be good. Or I hope I get something out of this. Or I'm only singing if they sing this type of song. Or or, wait, wait, it's a guest speaker? I'm not going. Or... I stay home when there's a missionary speaking, or, or I only go when there's a missionary speaking. And then let's take this one step further. When you recognize that the temple is not just a place, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? See, God, God doesn't live in a building If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you put your trust in Jesus, you are the temple in which God lives in. You are the living sacrifice. The way in which you conduct yourself and live with the Holy Spirit in you is worship. Romans 12, 1-2 says this. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, worship is not a set of the songs that we sing. It's our attitude. It's our sacrifice. It's our devotion. It's a life in every aspect that bows down to God and says, not my will, 
but your will be done. It's when we show up on Sunday after inviting the lamb into our home the rest of the week, and instead of saying, what am I going to get out of this? But saying, God, I've brought you my best, and I can truly say, here I am to worship. And when worship doesn't end, as soon as you walk out of the building, as soon as you pass through those doors on Sunday, but when you walk, it travels with you in the way that you treat your family, the way you treat your coworkers, your schoolmates, your neighbors, the way you treat other people is your worship the rest of the week. And when you can wake up each morning and start each day with those same words, God, here I am to worship. So come on. Let's change how we think about worship. It's not an action. It's not something that you schedule from this time to this time. It's a lifestyle. Worship is the act, shacha, of bowing down your life before a holy God and offering yourself as a living sacrifice. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would we would redefine how we see worship. We would redefine the worship as something that we do to something that we are. God, that we would look at every area of our life and say, is there areas in our life that we give to you and others that we keep for ourselves? Are there areas of control that we hold on to that we want to be able to control? Or do we lay down and do we bow down every area of our life? So God, may we worship you. May we recognize that our, our worship is not about us at all. It's always been about you. And, and may the way in which we interact and treat people, God, may, it be a, may, may we be a living sacrifice that understands that the Holy Spirit lives within us, that we are the temple, that, that we are to bring a, a perfect sacrifice through the temple. And so God, I pray that, uh, that as we... We, we look at uh, our, our being part of the church as more than just Sunday. More than just going to a building, God. But I pray that we would see our, our worship as something that we do every day, Monday through Saturday as well. And so God, I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.